0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey
1: guys, where else would you rather be?
0: We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donavidian. What
1: a piece of that championship! Put it
0: in here. Follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. Let's get it started with PJ. Welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. I'm PJ. Thanks again for checking us out. Hope you did well in your draft. It was very interesting this weekend. We're getting to that in just a couple seconds. But again, if you got a draft coming up as well, make sure you check out all our draft preview shows. We do our best to help you get ready for whatever format you're in. Again, with Jim Coventry and Jerry Donabedian, our friends over at Rotowire.com. So again, you can check those out. Always follow us at Draft That Guy on Twitter as well. We'd love to see your roster too. How did you do in the draft? If you got some in. Insane roster. You're like, I don't know how I got these guys. We'd love to see that. Or uh, maybe on the other end as well. It's like, uh, this is a little questionable. I'd uh, love to see it again. Uh, draft That Guy on Twitter. Also, we're going to have lots of those flex and who should I start questions coming up for week one. Again, you can always get them to us at Draft That Guy. We'll talk about them on the show as well. So obviously, Andrew Luck, the big story, the big retirement Saturday night, affected a lot of people's drafts. Yeah, Going into Saturday, a lot of people drafting them high and some of these Colts players as well. Uh, From Saturday night on into Sunday, if you were drafting, uh, those values dropped and they dropped big time. And I'm here to take a deep dive into that now. And maybe T.Y. Hilton and also Marlon Mack and other Colts, maybe their values shouldn't be dropping as far as they are. T.Y. is really dropping right now and so is Marlon Mack. So, again, let's take a look at some of these numbers. Yes, Jacoby Brissett is not going to be Andrew Luck. He's not going to put up those huge numbers. I do think, though, there is still some great fantasy value in this Colts offense. going to explain why right now. Okay, Jacoby Brissett, again, he took over for Andrew Luck in 2017 with Luck, missed the whole season then. Whole different regime, in fact, in India. Under Chuck Pagano, Rob Chizinski was the offensive coordinator at that time. Resets numbers that year, 3,098 yards. He had 13 touchdowns, seven picks, and a 58.8% completion percentage. Eh, you know, okay there. Thing I look at is the big plays, especially in fantasy values. He had 32 20 plus yard plays that year. Okay, that's that's pretty decent. And he had 9 40-plus-yard plays, which is pretty good. Patrick Mahomes this past year had 16 40-plus-yard plays, just to put it in perspective. And we're going to break those numbers down just a little bit more here. But just to show you, I mean, the big play capability is there. It's good to see that. The big thing that year, the Colts' offensive line was terrible. 52 times Brissett was sacked in 2017. Things have changed big time in Indy since then. Frank Reich, the new coach, and that offense exploded last year, and that's why I've got a lot more faith this time around with Brissett as quarterback. In fact, we'll just look at the sack numbers alone. Andrew Luck last year sacked 18 times, and he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world, and brissett has got a little bit more in him to get around. So again, 18 times last year, Luck was sacked. That is the second least. Uh, Sacks given up by an offensive line last year to the Saints' Drew Brees, who led the league with 17. So, I mean, it was pretty good, that Colts' offensive line, and they've really invested in them. So, again, he's got a better line coming into the situation this year. A couple of years in the system as well, that helps out. And now we're going to deep into those, a uh, little bit of deep dive with statistics into those 20-plus and 40-plus yard plays because, again, for fantasy values, I think these uh, these really help you out. So, in 2018, 20-plus yard plays. Going to have some comparable numbers to Brissett's 2017. Carson Wentz of the Eagles, for example, he had 37 20-plus yard plays. So, again, that's about five more than Brissett had in 2017. But I'm just showing you the numbers here. Jameis Winston in that Bucs offense, they passed the ball all over the place last year. Guess how many 20-plus yard plays he had last year? 34. And again, Brissett with 32 in 2017. Marcus Mariota, not a great fantasy quarterback at all, but just giving you the numbers. He had 31 20-plus yard plays, so Brissett had him beat. Josh Allen of the Bills, he had 30 20-plus yard plays. So again, showing you Brissett more than serviceable according to those numbers. Now we're going to look into those 40-plus yard plays, the big plays. So in 2017, again, Brissett had nine 40-plus yard plays. So in 2018... Those numbers are very comparable to Matt Ryan and Jared Goff in those offenses with those big receivers. They had nine 40-plus yard plays in 2018. Guess how many 40-yard-plus plays Andrew Luck had in uh, 2018? He had seven. So Brissett had more the year previous than Luck had last year in big plays. And Tom Brady to Sean Watson, they had eight 40-plus yard plays. So again, he can put up some value there for going downfield. So, again, that's a good thing to find. T.Y. Hilton, again, receiving numbers in 2017. He had 57 receptions, 966 yards, four TDs. He was banged up that year as well. He's coming into camp. A lot of great reports on him saying he's showing up best shape ever, putting up a lot of good work in camp. So he's looking to have a big season, going to dedicate it to Andrew Luck as well uh, from what he said. Uh, I look for him to improve on those numbers he had in 2017. Jack Doyle, who's coming to this season, him and Eric Ebron's looks like they're going to be split in time at that tight end possession. Uh, Jack Doyle had 80 receptions with Brissett in 2017, so again, that's big PPR numbers. 690 yards, Yeah, four touchdowns. That's a little bit on the light side, but uh, I look for that to improve. And the running backs in that system in 2017, again, that's an old system, but they had 62 receptions. Marlon Mack had 21 of those receptions. He rushed for 358 yards as well that year behind Frank Gore. So just a little comparison, whole new system. I would expect Mack's numbers to go up in that. In fact, I think his value should be climbing a little bit because I think he's going to have more opportunities for those PPR points out of the backfield with receptions. So again, these Colts players—they—they—they they, they are dropping. T.Y. Hilton and again Marlon Mack, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, even Devin Funches. His value is not what it was with Andrew Luck. I do understand that. But I don't think they should be falling like into the sixth and seventh round, especially Ty. He has really been dropping. I still think there's a lot of value there, and I'm not going to give up on this Colts offense yet. I think they can still help you out big time in fantasy. Now joining PJ the Fantasy Football Zone, Roto-Wire's Jerry Donobedian, joined now by RotoWire.com NFL Assistant Managing Editor Jerry Donobedian. And Jerry, what a week it's been. Yeah,
1: pretty wild week. Um, I. I actually kind of took the weekend off from football, uh, and then Sunday night, looked at my phone and was just like, oh, wow, what the heck is happening?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, everything happened this weekend. Yeah, I know.
1: I guess I picked like, the, uh, the wrong two days to take off, uh, but... <laughs> Made up for lost time Monday, I watched the, uh, the condensed versions on NFL.com of all of the preseason week three games. And, but obviously, you know, that, that kind of anything that happened there dwarfed by the Andrew Luck news, and then to a lesser extent, uh, Lamar Miller suffering a season-ending mm-hmm. injury.
0: So let's go over the Andrew Luck fallout now. He He's done. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. I said earlier in the show, yeah, it's going to be a downgrade, but if you look at the numbers when Brissett did take over – and again, it was a different offense, different everything. He's got a better offensive line now, and I've heard T.Y. Hilton's in pretty good shape. I mean, T.Y. and Marlon Mack, they're dropping in drafts, but I i still think there's good value there in Indy this year.
1: Yeah, I think that you just look at last time Jacoby Brissett was, Started, he was traded right before the regular season he That's was starting right. a game I think 10 or 11 days after he was traded to the Colts and that was under the old coaching staff with Chuck Pagano a defensive mind head coach and Rod Chudzinski an offensive coordinator who since that 2017 season has been out of football now you and also a bad offensive line sort of just like the, the perfect storm for failure Apart from having T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle there, so he did have at least a little help in that department. Now he comes back two years later having spent all of last offseason learning Frank Reich's offense uh, who we've seen pretty quickly has been an upgrade for the Colts and the coaching department and that all those draft picks they used on the offensive line last year quickly paid off and very in a period of like one year they went from having one of the worst lines in the league to one of the best Uh, plus also investing in some secondary receiving targets Eric Ebron Devin Funchess Harris Campbell so it's really really night and day between the situations that he's coming into as the starter
0: and I think this really helps Marlon Mack's value a lot more because I think now because you know Brissette if he's getting flushed out of the pocket he can look for Mack in the flat and I mean that's even more PPR points for Marlon Mack than I think he would have had with Andrew Luck yeah
1: I think I'm a little worried um, with the, just with the touchdowns that you know with yes. going from Andrew Luck to a quarterback who even if he is okay he's not going to be Andrew Luck so there's going to be fewer fewer total touchdowns scored in Indianapolis than there were last year in all likelihood. So that's a little worried in that regard but, yeah, you also look at the Colts are probably going to be more run-focused early in games. Last year, they certainly were a pass-first team uh, until they were you know, leading a lot of games in the second half. I think they could go with a more balanced approach this year. And also looking at two years ago when Brissett was the starter, he threw a lot of short passes. We saw Doyle actually getting more targets than T.Y. Hilton when they both were healthy, and that his average depth of target was about a yard and a half uh, less than what Andrew Lux has been throughout his career. Part of that may have been the weak offensive line, like he just didn't have time to push the ball down. The uh, but if that does turn out that, you know, Brissett is more of a short passer and a little bit less aggressive than Luck, despite having a strong arm, uh, certainly that could work out in Marlon Mack's favor.
0: And moving the conversation over to the T.Y. Hilton and his draft stock, he is just plummeting now in drafts. Fifth, sixth round, you might get him. You got to think back when Brissett was taking over in 2017, T.Y. was banged up that year, but he still almost had a thousand yards receiving. Yeah, he only had four touchdowns and about fifty-eight receptions. But again, he was banged up that year. I don't understand why his stock is dropping. I think he could be a steal for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think that um I think he's falling a little too far. I mean, I've seen yeah. early that like he's basically has dropped from like third round. Um, all the way down to fifth or sixth round, and that's what which,
0: I've noticed that as well. And I'm like, wow.
1: Yeah, certainly there has to be some drop involved. I think yep. we can agree. Um, it just it seems drastic, and it's also interesting that it, it, he didn't really drop while all this stuff with the luck injury was going on. Maybe like two or three spots. Um, no one, people weren't too worried about that. But now that it's like a, a sure thing, he's dropping three rounds, uh, and it feels feels like maybe a little bit of an overreaction based on. Yeah, what you said two seasons ago where he was playing through an injury, he's healthy now, playing with a bad offensive line, and being that he's a deep threat receiver, he's probably a little more dependent on that uh, than someone like, you know, a Juju Smith Schuster and Michael Thomas, who is getting most of their targets within two seconds of the snap. Like Hilton's a guy who really thrives on having time to burn defensive back deep. And I think now that he won't have luck, but he does have an offensive line that can give him some time to do that.
0: And if people were concerned about that, I I did a little research on deep balls with Brissett back in 2017. He completed nine 40 plus yard pass plays in 2017. By comparison, last year, luck, he completed seven. Forty-plus yard pass play. So, I mean, he he is looking for the deep ball. If, I know we he focuses on the short thing, but you know, even with that different system, he was looking to go deep. And I mean, that's an encouraging sign too, if you're looking to get Hilton, especially the way he's fallen.
1: Yeah, he wasn't when he did go deep. Um, he had some success doing it. Um, I think. It, yeah, I think it was partially just a result of the scheme and the offensive line that he didn't have a ton of those opportunities. But certainly, different coaching staff, different players blocking. Uh, we don't. We don't really know what we're going to see from Jacoby Brissett. You know, it could we could be sitting here in a month and be like, "Well, in 2017, really, it was Brissett that was the problem," or we could be saying, "Wow, like this guy is, you know, this guy is the real deal. Like, look what he can do uh, in a good situation." So, it's. I think it's still pretty big unknown. Uh, and I think if you're looking at how far Ty Hilton and some of those other Colts are dropping, it's certainly risk involved, but could be getting on like three rounds uh, later really than he should be going if it works out. So I think it's definitely, especially in the case of Hilton, it's, worth a chance if you can pick him up in like a fifth or sixth round
0: and once again talking to rotowire.com's jerry donabedian moving on now the other uh kind of the news that took a back burner to the luck story was the injury to houston texans running back lamar miller yes i know it's kind of a punchline in fantasy football when's that lamar miller injury going to happen well this time unfortunately it happened in the preseason so now Duke Johnson's going to take over the starting role. He was a PPR machine in Cleveland. Now there are some trade rumors out there as well swirling around that the Texans might make a play for a running back. But, Jerry, I really hope they don't because I like Duke Johnson a lot, liked him in Cleveland, and like I said, he's a PPR machine. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I certainly hope so. I've been a big fan of Duke Johnson for years now. Uh, he's, he's a guy who definitely has that reputation as uh, you know, kind of a scat back, pass catching back. Um, Because he's not a huge guy, but he's pretty he's pretty stout. He's like five foot nine, two hundred ten pounds. He's he's been good with the carries he's gotten over the years. He just hasn't gotten many of them, Uh, and of course has been one of the best pass catching backs in the league, really since consistently since his rookie year. Uh, Looking not only the quantity but at his efficiency in terms of yards per catch and yards per target, and. Looking at who else they have on the team, it's basically a bunch of undrafted players. They've got Karan Higdon, Josh Ferguson. Uh, Buddy Howell is technically listed next on the depth chart after Johnson. He's a special teams player. He didn't even play off on, on offense in their last preseason game. Uh, so certainly some trade rumors, but I don't, I don't know who's really out there that's available that would take over for Johnson. Maybe they find someone to take Some of the uh, some of the pressure, some of the workload off him. But I don't think they're going to be replacing him as the top guy.
0: And Jerry, I'm really excited about him in this system. You got Deshaun Watson at quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver, so they've got some other playmakers there. And I just think he's going to have a big year because he was putting up those PPR numbers in bad Cleveland offenses. Now he comes to a pretty good one, and I think he's in for a big breakout.
1: Yeah, I think he's a good a good fit for that offense. Uh, Last year, kind of. Kind of tried to sort of do this weird transition to more of a power running game with Lamar Miller. Uh, he had a couple, couple really nice weeks, but overall, it's just, you know, for having a team with a shaky offensive line and Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, you mean, know, you probably don't want to be like running the ball up the middle that much. So Duke Johnson, someone who can catch those short passes, like you said, someone who can get open when Deshaun Watson buys up extra time with his feet. Um, it's probably a better fit for them on Lamar Miller anyway. Maybe not what they intended, but I think they might end up being better
0: for it. Now, I was lucky. I was able to get him pretty late in drafts this weekend, but again, the Lamar Miller news was just starting to break. Now it's out there. So where is he going now in drafts?
1: Uh, Much much earlier than that now. I did a a 10-team draft last night, and I believe he went in the fifth or sixth round, like somewhere around, um, like in the 50s overall, I believe. Uh, So and I think that even that might be, It's in PPR, I think that might be a little late, maybe in standard that's about right. But but yes, I think people are a little worried about that, not so much his talent, but what you mentioned about the the possibility for a trade or that they scoop somebody up after cut down day and bring someone else in to take some of those carries. Uh, I certainly I would I don't expect Duke Johnson to be getting twenty touches per game, but I think his touches that he does get will be pretty valuable because there'll be a lot of catches. Uh, and some nice scoring opportunities.
0: Up next, I want to ask you about uh, you know some of the rookie running backs, wide receivers that, that you're liking the most out there right now. I mean, there's a lot of situations. Obviously, popular choices off the board, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, the Bears. Uh, wide notes not so much. I've noticed like the Miko Hardimans and also DK Metcalfs, they're falling real late in these drafts. So I just want to get your thoughts on who are some of those rookie running backs and wide receivers you trust this year
1: with the wide receivers, I actually really like this group of rookies as prospects. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just looking at this season, it's it, there's really no one who you're going to be drafting as a starter. You no, know, like Amari Cooper type guy who you know is going to come right in. Marquise Brown uh, looks like he could be the number one receiver in Baltimore, but he just came back from the foot injury to make his first appearance in the preseason past weekend. Looks pretty good. Uh, he only had three catches for 17 yards, but they were all short passes, and two of them were, like, very difficult catches on poor throws. Uh, but, yeah, DK Metcalf has got the knee injury going. Uh, NKL Harry is, like, isn't even clear if he's going to be healthy or if he is, if he's going to be getting playing time. Uh, Debo Samuel is probably my favorite guy in terms of long term who I think will be the best of the group. But the 49ers have a crowded wide receiver group. It looks like they might be rotating snaps. I think Marquise Brown would be the guy that, if I'm looking for someone like early in the season, can contribute. But even that is probably more of like a a deep league consideration.
0: Yeah, and, and for keeper leagues purposes too, if you're trying to get a guy and stash him, uh, I, I know, like I said, I took Hardeman trying to stash him because I'm liking the comments Andy Reid's talking about, and hopefully they're going to use him. But I'm not. I'm not planning on him having any breakout anytime soon, but guys like that. And I think Andy Isabella also came to mind, too, hoping that he's like the Arizona's equivalent of Edelman, I guess, to just try to get those targets his way. I, but uh, yeah, it seems like those wide receivers, they're hanging out there. So if you're in a keeper situation, you could take a flyer on them late, it looks like.
1: Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of talent there. It's just that, you know, even, yeah, like you said, Hardman, Isabella, are single white side, like all these guys who were second round picks they're all they're all look like they're going to start their career as the number four receiver kind of maybe like 15 snaps and two or three targets per game but you look at you know most of them are in situations uh whether it's in philadelphia with Deshaun jackson and alshon jeffrey or arizona with larry fitzgerald where like one of the big guys is probably going to be gone next year so definitely for keeper or dynasty league uh, i think Opportunity to buy low on those guys.
0: What about these running backs? I know Jacobs, Montgomery, they're going, I I don't know if they're high or if they're supposed to be going where they are in the fourth or fifth round, but which which way would you lean in that uh, situation? Obviously, Jacobs, he doesn't have the backup to deal with like uh, Montgomery is in Chicago with Tariq Cohen there, but which way would you lean if you had to pick one of the two?
1: I'd lean towards Jacobs. Uh, I think Montgomery is on the better team, and they're probably both similar quality players, uh, but I just think, you know, the Raiders, we just saw them release Doug Martin. They've got Jalen Richard that's going to catch some passes, but there's really no competition for carries. Uh, looking at Montgomery in Chicago, I've been kind of down on him from the beginning, thinking that they signed Mike Davis in the offseason, and they bring back Tariq Cohen. So even if Davis is only getting, like, five carries per game, you add in what Cohen's doing as a pass catcher that might, might kind of limit Montgomery to, like, you know, 10, 12 carries per game and a few targets. Um, it's it's starting to seem like it could be a little more than that based on, like, the preseason hype it's building. But I still think Jacob just has that security in terms of workload and doesn't hurt being a first-round pick. Like, the team... Even if he has some early struggles, the team is a little more committed to him and kind of feels that pressure to just keep feeding him.
0: And I guess what other running backs, I guess, are you looking? At? I mean, Tony Pollard obviously is is a name coming out because of the whole holdout situation with Zeke. But I mean, do you trust him all that much? I mean, I guess he's the guy to get the carries, but you know, what do you think of that situation?
1: I mean, I think that uh, with, with Elliott, he's you know he's still under contract, so it's a little different. Much different actually from the Le'Veon Bell situation. So I think he'll play at some point this year. Jerry Jones said that he's not too worried if Elliott misses the beginning of the season. Uh-huh. He's more concerned with getting him back later in the year and for the playoffs. Not that we should assume the Cowboys will be in the playoffs. <laughs> I thought that was, was like, I can maybe understand if, like, uh, you know, the Saints or the Patriots were saying we're focused on December and January. The Cowboys, maybe a bit too much of an assumption there. Like I think they kind of need Elliott soon if they're going to make the playoffs. But it was interesting to hear. Uh, Certainly, Tony Pollard could be a good choice if you're going with more of a wide receiver-heavy strategy and your plan is to kind of use waivers to pick up your running backs throughout the season, maybe fill out that second running back or that fuck spot, Tony Pollard might be able to buy you a week or two at the beginning of the year if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't come back. Uh, so he's, he's definitely a guy sort of in the middle to late rounds who I'm looking at now, even though I think, you know, by the end of September, we're going to see Elliott back in the lineup.
0: Are there any more of those rookie running backs you're looking at? Maybe some waiver wire potential, especially this year.
1: Well, the, the two other guys that I'm interested in drafting are Miles Sanders from the Eagles yeah. and Darwin Thompson for the Chiefs. Now, part of the reason I like drafting Darwin Thompson is because I like Damian Williams so much. And in terms of like which handcuffs are worth drafting, I think just getting... Locking down that Chiefs offense, now that it looks like Carlos Hyde has a lot of buzz about him getting cut, um, or maybe maybe traded, but probably cut, it seems like. So, like, locking down that Chiefs offense, uh, we just know whoever is starting there is going to score touchdowns and going to catch passes. Uh, and then... Sanders, I think, I don't know if he'll be the starter technically with Jordan Howard there, but like all the buzz coming from there has been that he's looked like the best guy throughout preseason and training camp and that he's going to have a big week one role. I think it's sort of similar to Montgomery where I'm a little worried that there's just too many bodies involved. But, uh, you know, if he shows the talent early in the season, he could kind of break free from that committee.
0: I want to ask you about a situation in Minnesota. Again, if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, do you draft the rookie running back Alexander Matson? there? He's had a pretty decent preseason, but we know that Dalvin Cook injury is going to come sometime, it seems like. Uh, from what the last two years have shown us, so do you handcuff him with Madison?
1: Well, I, I hope not, because yeah. I've been drafting. I've been drafting Cook, and I haven't been handcuffing him with Madison. I, I'm not not really a believer in Madison. He's sort of a a bigger, slower guy. uh who didn't catch a ton of passes in college. Didn't have great production in terms of yards per carry. Uh, but there there is some chatter about the Vikings using him at the goal line, maybe to keep Cook away from some of those tougher hits, uh, which I think mean, Cook's a pretty big guy in his own right. I would I would want him in there in those situations. I think with Madison, I can definitely understand the desire to handcuff him, but I think if something were to happen to Dalvin Cook, I think Mike Boone has made a good case this, this preseason and last preseason that he's got more speed than Madison and that the two of them might work in some sort of committee
0: up next want to get your thoughts. It's been a popular theme here in the preseason, and I think it will be until the next labor contract is the uh, star players starters not playing at all this preseason. A lot of coaches holding them out. And that includes Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. And and, and I, this intrigues me a little bit because a brand new system is in place here for Rogers as well with Coach Matt LaFleur, and you're, you know it's Rodgers. You know he's got great talent with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones in the backfield. It just kind of troubles me a little bit that I'm not sure how this is all going to work here. What are your thoughts on that situation?
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised to see that. Uh, certainly we've seen more coaches, especially some of the younger coaches, holding starters out during the preseason. Uh, Sean McVay probably being the most notable example. But even Sean McVay, his first season in Los Angeles, he played the starters in the preseason and Granted, that was with Jared Goff, a second-year quarterback. Uh, Matt LaFleur comes in, and he's got a future Hall of Famer quarterback. So different situations. It's not something that I really worry about a lot, but I'm, I'm kind of on board with you. Like, man, it would have been nice if it was just for two drives, just to, yeah. just to get a quick look, just to make sure, like, everything is okay. Uh, but but then again, what were we, what were we really going to know from two drives? You know, if you look terrible probably doesn't mean that much. If you look great, probably doesn't mean that much. Uh, So I would have liked to see it, but I wouldn't say I have a high level of concern. At all
0: see that's the thing with it because it they look terrible on offense without them in there but then you're thinking well obviously in preseason they're not showing the whole playbook so then you're kind of thinking on the fantasy kind of thing well does that mean they're going to be really great in the regular season right when it counts for you and uh, they're going to put up these points i mean as a fantasy guy you're kind of like ah, i don't know about it but um you know you're all we're always going on the the you know basically the potential of something it seems like and that's why this kind of new format of hold these guys out it's it's always gonna be, you know, driving us nuts, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I think I just think, you know, in the preseason that you can get some some good clues about like, you know, which guys will be on the field, but that the play calls themselves are gonna tend to be bland. They're not gonna or if it is like if they do bring out the interesting stuff like some kind of trick play, it's just set up a different, you know, play call like yeah. in the regular season. Like, they might call a trick play that they don't even like just to kind of Put it out there. Uh, So I think, you know, I I don't know really how much I would have cared about what Rodgers did during the preseason. Like, he didn't look as good last year, but I think that, you know, he's still Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams looks great. Aaron Jones. I think the health is the real question, not the talent or the role. So I don't, I'm not sure that we would have gotten great information even had they played. Mm -hmm. I think really what everyone's waiting to see is when the games count, uh, is this going to be a more interesting offense than what we saw from Mike McCarthy? A lot of talk about how the Packers, their route combinations had become stale and predictable. They were using the same stuff from seven, eight years ago. how the league had kind of evolved past Mike McCarthy um, and that they brought in Matt LaFleur thinking he could be the guy to spice that offense up, get Rodgers some of those easy completions that aren't you know, relying on him to make these perfect throws and run out of the pocket and all this other stuff he's been doing. Uh, and I, I think we'll see that. I think it'll be a more explosive, more diverse offense. Um, but I think we wouldn't have seen that really in the preseason if he had
0: played. Well, you got your latest article up, some observations from week three. I saw some of those games you painfully watched uh, to cram them in here. <laughs> what what do you got uh, going on from week three in the preseason that you uh, covered?
1: Yeah, it, was, it sounded like a good idea at the time. I like, guess okay, I'll watch <laughs> the condensed versions. I'll take take the weekend off. You know, spend some time with significant others, some time outside, enjoy the nice weather. Uh, but then Monday, when I was on, I think I, only, I watched 13 or 16, because three of them, including the Packers, didn't yeah. play any starters. But 13 in a row was a lot. Next year, I think I'll break it down into like two days worth of watching. Um, but you no, know, I mean, the big thing I was watching uh, was backfields and a little bit less tight ends. Uh definitely was encouraging to see, as someone who's been drafting Dalvin Cook, it was encouraging to see on their opening drive that they got to a third and eight, um, which is a situation where a lot of teams will take their starting running back off the field. Uh, but the Vikings don't really have that pass testing specialist. Like you mentioned, they have Madison, who's more of a power guy. They kept Dalvin Cook on the field. They didn't get it. Didn't get the first down get the ball back on the next possession and Dalvin Cook rips off an eighty five yard touchdown and it's done for today. I'm like, well, I saw saw everything I wanted to see there. You know, he looked mm-hmm. looks great. He's staying on the field for those third down. Uh, so that was that was encouraging. On the other hand, finally drafted Carry on Johnson, uh, he did he did stay on the field for a third down on that their opening drive for the Lions. But then him and CJ Anderson split work after that. Uh, so a little I think some people were kind of hoping On Johnson would have that sort of three-down workhorse-type role. Uh, and he, he will get some involvement in the passing game, but I think he'll also lose some carries and a few targets to Anderson at least to the start of the year.
0: What were some other uh, observations you, you saw here this week? One thing I found
1: entertaining, uh, especially as someone who's been drafting Vance McDonald, was that earlier this week, Randy Fickner, the Steelers' offensive coordinator, Went out of his way to say that Vance McDonald won't be playing significantly more snaps this year. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation about that because the Steelers lost Jesse James to the Lions, and they didn't really. They, their replacement is a fifth-round rookie, uh, and Xavier Grimble, who's kind of been like a third tight end his whole career. So their offensive coordinator said that, and then in the preseason game, McDonald played almost every snap with the first-team offense. So I was a little confused. There, it was like, so you're gonna you're going to keep, you know, use him part time to keep him healthy during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But in the preseason, you need him out there every play. Um, so it kind of made me question if there's any validity to that quote um, and kind of keeping up optimism that McDonald will be on the field more this year and will get some of those targets that went to James and Antonio Brown.
0: Hey, while we're on the Steelers, I got to ask you about that number two wide out. Is it James Washington or who else do you think will step in there and uh, take it from there?
1: Well, in the, in, the, in the third preseason game, they went pretty consistently. It was Juju Smith-Schuster, Dante Moncrief mm-hmm. as the number two wideout, and Vance McDonald at tight end on the field, and James Conner at running back. Uh, and even for the third receiver, they actually used Ryan Switzer mostly, okay. and then rotated in Eli Rogers. Those were their slot guys. It wasn't until the second string came in that James Washington uh, played Certainly, he scored a touch, long touchdown almost mm. immediately, continuing his great preseason. Uh, but in terms of the usage, it looks like he's the number four right now, actually.
0: Yeah, I was I was wondering about that because, yeah, I saw the numbers. He's putting up a great preseason, second-year wide out. Maybe he's getting the system down. But, uh, yeah, I see, you know, there's Moncrief, there's Switzer, who I, I kind of like as a slot guy. And yeah, I just... That, that's one of those complicated situations, like you were talking about before, like San Francisco and Arizona, where there's a gluttony of receivers, and you yeah. kind of don't know what to do with them.
1: Yeah, and the problem there is that the you know the battle for the number two between Moncrief and Washington, which based on the performance, seems like Washington, but based on the usage during the preseason and the training camp from everything that beat reporters are saying, it seems like Moncrief has that locked up. Uh, for how long that lasts into the regular season, i I don't know. But the problem there is that the, the guy who loses the number two battle doesn't go to the number three. He goes to the number four or five. Yeah. Uh, because they've got Switzer and Rogers kind of in their own slot competition with smith Schuster moving outside uh, to fill the old Antonio Brown role. So it's like for all his work this preseason, James Washington might be looking at, like, Ten snaps and one target in Week One against the Patriots.
0: <laughs> yeah, that see, that's what preseason does for you. It gives you false hopes for the guy that was <laughs> awesome, and then all of a sudden you you spend a pick on him, and then you, always good stuff. Hey, thanks again for uh, you know watching all those Week Three games, so I didn't have to do that. So <laughs> thank you for going through that for me. Yeah,
1: good talking, you pal.
0: Big thanks once again, Jerry Donabedian over at RotoWire.com, helping breaking it down and get us ready for Week One. It's gonna be here now. Next week, and we will be ready for it. And again, we want to hear from you some of those tough decisions in week one coming up. Who are you going to start in that flex spot? Maybe a running back two or a wide receiver two, tough question you've got. Again, we're there for you at Twitter, at DraftThatGuy. You can submit those questions there. We'd love to take them on the show and uh, go over them and discuss them and try to help you out in those situations as well, as week one is finally going to be here. It's going to count for real next week. And, again, we can't wait to go over it with you. Again, thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.